Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we amplify the voices of those women whose stories are moving and meaningful. Today's guest is Stacia Gar. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Susan. You bet. You are one fascinating woman. I have learned about you from others, checked you out, then met you. We've had conversations only briefly um, before, so I'm very excited. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you, and thanks for the opportunity to be on the show today. Um, so as you said, I'm Stacia Gar. I am co-founder of Red Thread Research. We're a human capital research and advisory membership, and we have been going for about three years. And before that, I was with Burson by Deloitte for eight years, and before that with uh, CEB Gartner. So a long time in the HR and research space, uh, really my pretty much my entire career. A little bit of credibility right there. Wow, those are some big names that you're dropping. And frankly, the people who um, presented you to my attention are people I know and trust, and they are, you know, they speak very highly of you. So this is very exciting to have you on the show. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit more about what you do at Red Thread Research? Well, thank you. And, and thank you to them for, for the kind words. You know, I think <laughs> word of mouth is, is really how our business grows. And I think it's the greatest compliment that we can get. Um, so I, I lead our research on talent uh, management, including things like people analytics, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, belonging and employee experience. And we look at both the practices of organizations as well as the technology that enables those things. So that means that I spend a lot of my time both talking to HR and people analytics and DNI practitioners about the work they do, the challenges that they're facing and how they might overcome them. And then talking to a lot of vendors, um, at Red Thread, we probably talk to close to 300 vendors a year about the technologies that they have, their ideas for how they want to influence the market. And we give a lot of um, encouragement as well as a lot of feedback uh, to help them grow. So it's a, it's a good opportunity to get to talk to just an incredible range of people and always to be learning and growing and, and also being connected to our HR community and ideally giving back to it. So it's a, it's a pretty special opportunity and job that we have created. I agree. And what a unique approach. Um, I feel like I, I signed up for your initial membership and I'm committed. I will be a lifelong member. I think the, the resources you share are very valuable. Uh, the discussions you and your uh, other co-founder have are very valuable. And I think the chemistry you guys have is great as well. It's really, it's fun to listen to and your research is excellent. And I use you as a resource all the time. Thank um, you. Yeah, well, you inspire me. Who has inspired you? Did you have a mentor or a sponsor? Yeah, I think, you know, um, as I mentioned, I was with uh, with Josh Burson for a long time, um, eight years. And so I think, you know, seeing him and in the way that he led our team um, was has been really inspiring. And this is rooted a lot of the practices that I have, um, particularly as it comes to things like setting a vision for the organization, commuting, communicating with transparency about what we're doing, and then giving people as big opportunities as they can possibly rise to. You know, when I came to Burson, um, I had an opportunity to lead our talent management research, and I was 
probably the youngest person on the team by at least 10 years. I knew comparatively so little <laughs> compared to everyone else. And yet it was, hey, you can do this. We'll support you in getting there. You, you know, here's the things you need to know how to do. Here's some support um, from training and from other people on the team, but we know you can get there. And that wow, I think is inspiring. That's huge. That's yeah. Plus. Yeah. So it was a, that was a great experience. And then, you know, um, along the way, they, they burst in, uh, the organization, both when it was um, owned by Josh, as well as when it was after it had been acquired by Deloitte, uh, they supported me in getting my MBA. And that experience of kind of getting to work full time and then doing a part time MBA really helped me think about what is it that I wanted to become and do and, and owning my own business and running it was uh, very high on the list. And so you know, it was kind of that combination of education and support and vision that has enabled me to do the work I'm doing now. Wow, that is wonderful. I don't hear that story often where, um, you know, there's a lot of, of bias against young people just as much, uh, you know, I don't actually, the stats show it's not as much as against <laughs> the older people my age, but um, the fact that they were so supportive and said, you're here to learn not to know it all, you know, off the, off the, the mark. So that's amazing. That's wonderful and good to hear. Great that you had those people. A lot of people I interview did not. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you this because my focus is about lifting women in business and how can we uh, create more equity in the workplace. Can you tell us maybe, uh, you know, a strongly held belief or, you know, an idea or what, what can we do to help other women in business? Yeah, I think the the thing that we can there's a number of things. So so you know we are obviously two women co-founders of a firm, and um, we spend a lot of time also like you talking to other women about things that they do. Um, so the, I think one thing you can do, particularly if you're in a position of running or, or managing your own business, what and whether you actually own it or you own a subcomponent of it, you know you're responsible for a portion, is um, to encourage through your practices other women to grow and. And specifically, we do things like when we interview people and they, uh, we get to a point where we decide that we want to have them come and join the team, um, we will usually tell them to give us a number for, from a negotiating perspective. Oh, wonderful. So, because a lot of times people say, well, what will you pay me? And I say, no, what are you worth? go and figure out what you're worth, come back to us with a point of view. And then, you know, obviously I know what we can afford, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I think, you know, encouraging people, you know, uh, do this for yourself, have a point of view on what you're worth and come and, and we'll talk about what we can afford. And, and, you know, recently someone did that and they said, well, I think I'm at this amount. And I said, that's great. I don't think so. And here's why, because you don't know this, you don't know this, you don't know this. Here's what we we're willing to do, but we're willing to do a review in six months. And if you've met these things, then yes, I'm, I'm willing to kind of come up to that number. But, you know, it was a very, we took that as an opportunity to teach her about advocating for herself coming in with a strong point of view on her own value. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Secondarily, and kind of my- One thing on that, I yeah. love that. I teach women to negotiate their value upfront because what they do generally is say, oh, I'll prove my worth. And then during my evaluation, I'll ask for a raise or a bonus. But men will negotiate up front and everyone's fine with it. If a woman does that unprompted by uh, people like you, then <laughs> round upon, right? So, wow, that is so amazing and wonderful that you do that. 
Yeah, and I, but I think though that the, the only way we're going to change the stereotype of the second point, like what you said of a woman negotiating up front, is if we, like you do, encourage women to do it. Exactly. So I think we, so that's another thing we kind of on the side, both Danny and I will have conversations with, with women that we know um, as they're going through job interviews and the like. And when we get, when they kind of get to the point, we talk to them, what's your strategy for negotiating? How are you going to, um, you know, what's your number that you're going to come in at? What's your BATNA? Like where, where are you yeah. willing to walk away? And um, helping them think through and think through where do you get the data to support your position? How should you position the whole statement? All of that makes a really big difference. Um, and just helping a, you know somebody, a woman or, or other person, walk into that discussion with confidence. And once they have that confidence, they do great. But I think it's the preparation beforehand that they don't know how to approach. Right, which is precisely why when I work with women to teach them, you know, I'm not teaching them how to speak white male. I'm teaching the world that we need to crash these stereotypes and operating systems that are only built for one particular group, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I love that you're walking the walk, right? You're, you're, you're acting in a way that is in accordance with what I'm teaching people to do. You're doing it. So yeah. Yeah, That's incredible. I think the other thing too, and, and I know that you do this as well, Susan, but is, is to be thoughtful about where you spend your money, whether that's your corporate money, you know, as a, as a business person, or that's your personal money, you know, um, supporting other women owned businesses is important. Um, and, and I don't think that I fully appreciated that until I became a small business and, and recognized how many women intentionally sought us out and said, I'm, I'm supporting you because you, you are a female owned business who's doing great things. And it's important to, in some ways, almost counter what, you know, unconscious biases may be happening um, towards you, which nobody necessarily knows, but, but they're very intentional about it. And I think that's really, really important. I agree. Very intentional. Um, I think that we speak a lot of the same language, folks. We're, we're talking about the business version of self-actualization and understanding yourself, knowing yourself, loving yourself, valuing yourself, and bringing your whole self to the work world. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so it's good that you allow that kind of culture or encourage that kind of culture. I know I have benefited a great deal from your work in purpose-driven businesses and purpose-driven people who lead businesses. Um, I consider myself that and my business that, and I really enjoyed the discussions I've heard you and your partner have on that, uh, or I you. should say your co-founder. Um, that said, let me ask you, have you had a challenge or a setback? And if so, would you be willing to talk to us about it and tell us how you overcame it? Yeah. Um, well, I think this ties a little bit back to your your point about kind of self-actualization and what you want to be. Um, so by education, um, I am actually a historian. <laughs> I have two degrees in history, including a master's. And as I looked to what I wanted to be um, or, or who I thought I wanted to become, um, I realized that a lack of just general comfort with kind of the, the hard financial measures of a business was was holding me back. And, and as I looked around, it, it holds a lot of women back, you know, being able to understand the, the, 
PL or to be responsible for a PL of a business. And so for me, um, I decided to go to business school to overcome that. Um, I actually, when I started, though, I don't think I, I, I knew I needed to go to business school, but I didn't kind of fully identify this, this finance thing. Um, but then there was a course um, where we uh, read this book, and I can't, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it was, it was basically, you had to write it, read this story um, and write about what you would, if, you, if no one was grading you on your experience, what you would have to do to give yourself an A for this class. And it was, but it was really more about if you, no one was grading you on your MBA, what would you have to do? And I spent a lot of time thinking about it. And I decided that for me to get an A in my MBA and to really look back on it with pride, I would have to do the thing that scared me the most without fear of what the grade was going to be. So as someone who was always very, you know, at the top of the class, like the idea of doing something that where I could honestly fail, like re could really fail, <laughs> um, was scary. And so as a result of that, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on finance in my MBA. Like this scares the heck out of me. It's almost, you know, it's 95% men in these classes and not that that scared me I, I went to a woman's college i got the whole strong woman's college thing but um it's people who are in the finance industry who are already doing this work for the few women who are in there and, and all all the guys it wasn't anybody else who just thought this would be fun <laughs> and so right. you know doing that uh, and i did it and, and i'm incredibly proud of it and it was hard but as a result the dividends of that experience of of facing up to the thing that was the most scary for me at the time um, and conquering it uh, as best I could and then coming out on the other side with both the, that knowledge, which is helpful in running a business, but more that self-knowledge that I could learn something that was so seemed so hard for me, uh, that was has paid off more dividends than anything else I could have done. That's awesome. I love to hear that. That's awesome. So a lot of times um, the, the outcome isn't as rosy. <laughs> so, let's just put it that way. Um, well, let me ask you this. I don't know you that well. Most of my guests, I try not to get to know before the show so that the big reveal takes place during the recording. Um, that said, everything you tell me about you is going to be surprising to me. But what is a surprising fact you can share that maybe someone, uh, maybe Danny doesn't know or someone in your circle might not know? Well, on that, that topic of uh, things that scare you and also supporting <laughs> women. <laughs> yes. um, so since the pandemic began, I have been taking singing lessons um oh from, wow yeah from a recording artist who can't tour because of the pandemic and she's somebody that uh that i've enjoyed listening to and, and it happened that she started giving lessons and so um there is nothing like bearing your soul which is for me what singing is because like i'm really <laughs> good at it um to, hear. I want to hear. <laughs> no 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 but to someone who is a recording a touring recording artist yeah, who yeah. you admire incredibly and you know being just you know, not great. <laughs> you must have something going on because I'm sure that, you know, this person wouldn't spend their time with you if you didn't have <laughs> hope. Oh, <laughs> uh, we have fun. That's what, that's, oh, I that's think that's so why good. she does it is because we have fun. We laugh, we, we talk about things and it's, it's really good, but, um, that's, but, awesome. yeah, but it's been a good way also, you know, to, 
artists have hurt so much during this pandemic. Uh, yes. And so to be able to support her, you know, in, in some small way, um, while also, you know, getting something obviously for myself is, has been nice. You know, I asked my husband for singing lessons for Christmas last year, not this past Christmas, the one before. Mm -hmm. um, and it never happened, but um, that is my secret wish too. <laughs> well, you can go, there's a website called lively.com and there's all sorts of artists who are on there giving lessons. Nice. I've never heard of that. So that's wonderful. Maybe we'll have you back next year and check out your vocal cords. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we love to find hidden talent in our brainiacs that we have on the show. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people that I see as, um, you know, you know, analytic and logical and reasoned, they have that ability in there to, to really sing or play music or an instrument, or it's, it's interesting. I know a lot of doctors who are musicians. I know a lot of lawyers who are musicians. It's, it's fascinating to tap into your whole brain, you know? So yeah, we'll have to have you back. Um, I'll have to get some better sound equipment set up. <laughs> maybe we'll do video. Maybe we'll do video. So this is the part of the show I've adopted. It's only been in the last many months that I've done what I call the wild card question and the guest has the opportunity to say heck no i'm not prepared i'm not doing that or sure give it to me nothing scares me i take voice lessons <laughs> so if you're game i will pull a question out of my box of 144 meaningful questions and ask sure let's do it all right i need some you should sing our theme music while oh, I <laughs> no, no, no. that's the problem with saying that you sing is everybody that expects you to sing <laughs> it's, true. it's true they all want to hear a little bit of that let's see oh this one's not hard this i wish i'd pulled something a little um more challenging you can, you can double dip i don't i don't awesome. have any knowledge <laughs> oh well, this one's a very good one okay so i'm gonna ask the easy one first now it may not be easy but i think it's easy okay. what is a routine that you do every day without fail and don't say brush your teeth. Ooh. Um, I exercise. I do. Oh, that's wonderful. Something yeah. I used to do. But that's very meaningful. The fact that you take time out to do that and understand the value of self-care is what probably keeps you going in the positive direction that you and Danny are going in. Um, yeah. But I think you have to you have to build in structure for it. So yeah. um you know, for instance, I have uh, in my in my office, I have a standing desk, but I have an under desk treadmill. And so on internal calls or emails, I walk. So wow. I will without fail get my 10,000 steps every day. That's awesome. One thing I've noticed, not just since the pandemic, but I started working from my home office about mm -hmm. a year prior. Um, without going into detail about my life, I, I, I became the caregiver to my mother who has Alzheimer's and it's been life-changing in a very negative way. And one of the negatives is I've gained a ton of weight and I sit all day. I sit at my laptop all day long. So mm -hmm. that might be a good investment. We, we, we do have the equipment that it takes, but it's the kind of equipment that takes me away from my desk. Uh, I've never heard of uh, an under desk treadmill. I know where have I been, right? Because I'm thinking that makes so much sense. Surely that's been around. Um, but I yes. should consider that. So instead of- I also have an under desk bicycle too. <laughs> what? 
Wow. Oh, these things exist. Yeah. <laughs> I do have an underdesk <laughs> gym. Um, but it, it makes a huge difference on my mood. You know, I come yeah. in um, just happier, more, you know, it, it, it's, it's life-changing. So yeah. um, my Can husband sometimes makes fun of me, but it, and so does my team. But uh, they're like, oh, they're <laughs> station walking again. But it, it, you have to take care of yourself. You yeah, have to have give yourself opportunity for energy regeneration. That's what's happened. My energy is gone, right? Yeah. I am a... In fact, some people who find me annoyingly perky and enthusiastic are probably very happy about it. <laughs> but you should send me the links to those two pieces of equipment. I'll check them out online and see what. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here is the other question that I pulled. Um, and I think this is a very good question. Uh, have you ever read Malcolm Gladwell's book called Blink? Yes. Ah, well, then this will not be difficult for you. Uh, this question asks, let's see, it states whether intuition, do you believe intuition plays a role in your decision-making? Of course it does. How about for men? Of course. Yes. There you go. Whether we acknowledge it or recognize it or give it credit or not, I do right. also think that is true. Um, but I'm one of those people that, you know, I guess folks from across the country might call me, you know, California earthy, crunchy fruit and nut, whatever you want to call me. But I am, I speak energy. I speak intuition. I speak, you know, listen to the voice inside. That's my language. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think some of my best decisions um, have come from listening to my intuition. Mm -hmm. And some of my worst ones have come from ignoring it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. I, I think it's important, you know, and I see this as a researcher and analytical person is, I think you have to balance both, you right. know, um, and, and particularly in important things where it's influencing other people's lives. So just as an example, um, we right now are, are interviewing folks for a research analyst job, and we interviewed someone who um, is, is a little bit kind of outside our, our traditional um higher, if you will, in terms of their experience and, and that kind of thing. And I was having a conversation with our team about whether, you know, we should move this person forward. And I said, you know, I don't think that this person has the spark that we need. It's sort of the energy. And uh -huh. I said, but, but I, but I want to check myself because is that some unconscious bias that's coming in? Do I expect that energy to show up in one way that, just because of how I've seen it historically. Right. Or, you know, so, so is there something more going on here? My intuition is that this is the situation, but check me. Check how me. wonderful of you to be that transformational leader who says, check me uh, to the team. That's incredible. First of all, I noticed your use of outside of versus um, not as high up as or not as down low you know like the the words outside of give a different meaning than words that are hierarchical hmm. um, mm -hmm. so what a beautiful use of that phrase and then secondly to to recognize that you may be engaging in some bias and to ask your team to check you that that's total transformational leadership right there and then thirdly although i borderline ei extrovert introvert <laughs> um people would never guess I have any eye in me at all, but that is how I rejuvenate. I write in a journal, I meditate, I spend time alone, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't read uh, Susan Cain's Quiet. Oh, I love that book. 
Oh, I love that. Yeah. She's a friend on Twitter. We used to message each other a lot. It's not anymore so much. Um, I got away from Twitter. The political stuff was just, it was rough. Psyche. I'm an (laughs) empath. So it really kills me. Um, But the point is the book talks about how traditionally and historically we think extroverts make the better everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not to say I'm down, you know, down on extroverts. I am an extrovert you know, much of the, much of the day, (laughs) I find people think that at least, Um, but introverts can be incredible at the traditional, at the positions we think are traditionally uh, better filled by extroverts. So Mm -hmm. I know you've read the book and you get where I'm going with that. So folks, if you haven't go get it, it's a great book. Um, Well, you're amazing. I hope we have many more conversations, not necessarily (laughs) for the public's consumption, but um, I want to keep in touch. We know a lot of the same nerdy people whom I adore. And I think that um, the work that you do is just incredible. And I want to get more involved where I can and share your message. I have a network that's pretty big for one woman show, right? So, <laughs> you know, I'd be happy to share the message of you and Danny and, you know, Red Thread across my network wherever I can. Thank you so much. Like I said, that that is the biggest compliment. So thank you. Oh yeah, it's exciting. Y'all make nerdy look great. Like y'all make <laughs> research look fun. You make, you know, you it's in, it's compelling. You know the way you present your your research and your findings, it draws people in versus oh god, bore bore yawn yawn another report. No, it's not that way. You have discussions. You're funny. You have great energy. Um, I, I just love it. I've, I, you know, I've worked at research firms as well in Boston and worked with some of the greats as well. Um, never have I had more fun than listening Thank to you. you too. <laughs> well, that's what we're trying to do. You know, it's, um, it's, it, we're all doing work that we want to benefit people, right? We want to help others and, and make work better. Um, right. But it doesn't have to be stuffy or boring or as it's always been you know we're we are when has there ever been a time when the type of work we do is so front and center when you're talking about you know skills and and how skills are going to reshape our workforce if you're talking about analytics and what we need to understand about people but the ethical implications of it you know i mean there's just thing after thing i feel like I, I'm listening to NPR or reading the journal and they're just talking about the work we're doing. And that wasn't always the case. And so if you think about that, then the question is, how do we bring more people in to understand and, and to be a part of that conversation? And, and it's not by being boring and stuffy. <laughs> uh, you have to speak. So I tell everyone I talk to, even people in the grocery store, the receiver makes meaning of the message regardless of the sender's intent. So you have to put your work into um, not just the proper content, you have that for sure, but it has to be the appropriate delivery so that the receiver can make the appropriate and you know intended meaning of your message. And you wanna compel them to re-engage or get engaged more or learn more or get excited about your message. And I think you guys do a really great job of doing that. Um, you know. Thank you. Yeah, we're we're and it's a it's a work in progress, right? We are we launched a new website in December, and and we were told when we launched our first or second site. I don't know. This is our fifth or sixth. I literally cannot count. <laughs> um, but on our on one of those early ones, someone said, "If you're not embarrassed by the first 
website you launch, you waited too long. And so <laughs> that is the case uh, with that first one or with this, this most recent one. And so, you know, but the, the downside of that is you spend your whole time saying, ooh, why do we say that? Ooh, that doesn't look good. I love um, the person who said that. And I don't even know that person because yeah, I have quite a few of those. <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel a little bit better, doesn't it? <laughs> Like, you know, we joke, so my husband and I have a place in Hawaii and we go there and sometimes the commercials look like they were homemade in someone's garage. Mm -hmm. And I was joking recently um, because I am soon to hire someone to redo my website. And I said to him, how dare I tease these people who make these, you know, local business commercials. My website looks like it was homemade by a a junior high student, you know, Yeah, I get you. I get you. But you know, you're focused on other things at that point. And and some of us who know the things that you and I know don't always know how to build websites, right? Yeah. So we're kind of learning as we go. We feel, hey, I can do that. I'm smart. I can do it. why, you know, if a junior high student can build a website, why can't I? You know, mm-hmm. so, and then you realize, wait a minute. There are people out there who are paid thousands and thousands of dollars to actually do it right, you know. And so. they earn their money. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. My first couple of rounds at this are proof of that for sure. <laughs> if you don't want this, then hire her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, but it's all, I think the point of all of this though is continual learning, continual regeneration. Right. So we're refining our our messaging. We're refining how we're going about this work and and trying to make it accessible and interesting and exciting as we think it is. Um, And I think that's that's the key to being a successful professional in 2021 is you accept that what you do is not perfect, that you don't know it all, but you're going to learn as much as you can and continually grow and give yourself the grace and freedom to do that. And you have to be able to be nimble enough and, and pivot and, you know, adaptation is Darwinian right there. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that's actually, uh, you know, the key to survival is to be able to adapt. And um, I recall one of our politicians, elected politicians in the state um, said something really smart. So <laughs> there you go. Right. That <laughs> um, he was saying that recall when tweet meet, meant or referred to a bird or when um, you know, learning was you get a degree, or you know, there's there's some finality to that. You had this idea that was mounted in your mind of what these words were associated as, but now learning shouldn't be associated with any you know finite like a degree or a piece of paper. It's universal learning, right? If we're going to compete with AI and benefit from AI as we are meant to. Um, you know, use AI for good and not evil. We need to understand that it's not about you go get your degree in this and then you stop. It's Mm -hmm. continual learning. It's, you know, uh, because technology has changed everything. And and if we, again, use it for good and not evil, it can be amazing. You don't have to stop learning when you get your advanced degree or college degree or high school degree or whatever, diploma, I should say. Yeah. You're amazing. I have enjoyed this. It's been way more fun than um, I ever anticipated just because we're two research geeks. I was like, oh, how are we going to make this fun? fun. Hey, you've you've definitely got that good chemistry with Danny and I love listening to you too and uh, enjoy what you um, are sharing with the world. So folks, if you haven't checked them out, 
do so. It's Red Thread Research, and I will put all of their contact info as well as a link to the website in the blog that I'll write about Stacia. I'll have her bio, her headshot, and maybe some pictures that tell the story of your life, like fun things you do, maybe, you know, your treadmill under your desk. <laughs> Hopefully something a little better than the treadmill under the desk. That's not that fun. <laughs> well, you send me the story of you in pictures and we will create a gallery and put that into the blog as well. Then I share it to my website and I share it to LinkedIn and I'll tag you so that you can reshare to whomever you wish. Um, but it has been my well, pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for for all of that, and thank you for having me. You know, it's it's just a, a real pleasure, and and thank you for all the wonderful that work work that you do. Um, I know that uh, it's it's really important, and that you make a big impact on others. So thank you for that. Awesome, awesome. Do you want to share your email address in case someone wants to reach out? LinkedIn is actually the best way to get me. Awesome. Um, so that would be perfect. And I'll put the LinkedIn link to her profile in the blog, folks. So thank you for listening. And thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to hear your first album. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thanks to others for listening. Really appreciate it. You bet.